Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. It's uh, 28 July. It's the end. Of, you know, it seems like it just turned into June. I mean, literally. I, I remember saying all we do is change two letters and we go from June to July. And it seemed like I said that yesterday. And all of a sudden, here we are in July. It's 28 July. It's Sunday. It's time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And I'd like to start off right away today by saying hello to my number one fan in Simpsonville, South Carolina. His name is Bob Hopper. His granddaughter, Mallory, watches these updates and she's gone down to visit him and come to find out he does too. And so she sent me a little photo of the two of them together and said, uh, yeah, say hi to my grandpa. So here you go. Welcome to you, sir. We hope you enjoy the update today. And then I finally found out, um, two weeks ago I asked who had sent a clip loader. They call it a mag loader, but a clip and a mag are different things. Anyway, um, this mag loader and I finally found out that it was my friend Lynn. It was so kind of him. He sent it to me, and uh, I, I went and put it on the clip and put the bullets in. And I'm telling you what, instead of doing this, and just by the 15th bullet, your fingers are just in pain. If you want something that will make your life simple, it's this easy. You just push it down on the thing, and here you go. It, it really is wonderful. So if you want your, something that will make your life simple, I recommend those. And somebody emailed and said, I didn't look at the uh, label on it, they're made in Israel, or they're designed by Israelis or something, so good stuff there. But yes, if you have a clip and you want to... Uh, oh, simple. Simple. It's like Works wonderful, so there you go. And so now you can fill up your clips in no time at all, and it's with no effort. I mean, it's so simple, I thought this thing isn't working. Anyway, here we go. Our first category, as always, is Israel. And from the Times of Israel... Israel to plant trees. Oh, you know what? Wait, before I go on, we have a family that's visiting, and I want to recognize them as the uh, Jennings family. Uh, Dad and Mom and the two daughters are here visiting, and so they come up. This is their third time from uh, Fort Lauderdale, and they spent the night at uh, Venice last night and uh, went out to the beach and built some sandcastles and stuff like that, and here they are. So welcome to all of you. It's real, real honor having you guys come up and share time with us, so thank you. And once again, our first article is from the Times of Israel, Israel to plant trees near the Gaza border homes to thwart anti-tank missile attacks. So you got to do what you got to do in the world, plant trees. Israel's defense establishment plans to plant trees around homes in Gaza border communities to obscure potential targets for anti-tank missiles fired by terror groups. Now, you'd think, well, not many tanks drive around there, so why do they need that? It's not tanks they're worried about. Moshe Feder, 68, was killed in May when a Cornet anti-tank guided missile slammed into his car as he was driving along Route 34, close to the border with Gaza. The Hamas terror group claimed responsibility for the attack. The IDF later said it had failed to recognize the risks posed to Israeli drivers on the road north of the Gaza Strip. Senior defense officials, including the commander of the Southern Brigade, toured communities close to the Gaza perimeter and mapped which homes were at risk from anti-tank missiles and would benefit from the tree planting program. While Hamas and other terror groups have long had Cornet missiles in their arsenals, 
The weapon's high price tag means they are typically used against higher profile military targets, not against civilians. They were used repeatedly against Israeli tanks throughout the 2014 war, though they were relatively ineffective as they were intercepted by tanks' trophy active defense system. So if you can't get the tanks, blow up the civilians. It's standard uh, Hamas, you know, uh, how they do things. And so it's good. They'll plant trees. And plus you get trees, and then you get a nicer environment. And so everybody wins on this. But it's just sad they have to go through these type of things with terrorists right on the other side of the border that the world calls the peaceful people. Anyway, from Israel Hayom, Despite hostile political stance, the UN, the United Nations, is buying more from Israel. They're always cutting down Israel, but they're buying more from them. The organization is increasingly choosing to purchase Israeli goods and services. Why? Because nobody makes anything in the Gaza Strip or on the uh, West Bank out of the Fakistinian enclaves because they don't know how to do anything. They spend all of their time destroying, murdering, and killing. Whereas Israel, they go in there, and their intent is to live peaceably, to build up the land in which they live, and to be a benefit to the world. So you got two completely different cultures side by side, then the Israelis are doing what they need to do, and they're benefiting, like our clip over there, for, or that clip loader over there. You know, they invent things that are of value. Yeah, go ahead, give me a toss here. We'll see if I can stonk right in my head. Okay, so uh, let's see here. Um, the figures show that in the past four years, various UN agencies acquired $256 million worth of Israeli goods and services, and that every year for the last four years, the amount purchased has increased. The upswing started in 2015 when deals worth tens of millions of dollars were signed. In 2016, the UN purchased Israeli goods and services worth $48 million. In 2017, that amount rose to $51 million. In 2018, UN purchases of Israeli goods and services amounted to $66 million. UN acquisitions included communications and logistics services, medical and water desalinization technology, and security and defense technology for UN peacekeeping forces. Israeli companies that have sold to the United Nations include Teva Pharmaceuticals, Paz MER, which provides missile defenses to UN peacekeepers in Africa, and Otis, which supplied a $42 million desalinization system. If you want proper desalinization systems, you're going to go to Israel. They've had them out for years, but who did California go to when they wanted to build one over there? They went to Israel. I mean, this is just the standard in the world is people that have a need and they figure out how to solve that need. It's probably Israel at the forefront of it. Uh, from Jerusalem Post, Israeli cities rabbis <laughs> rule all dogs are bad and their owners are cursed. So if you have a dog here, you are a bad person, you're accursed, and your dogs are bad. More than a dozen rabbis from this. I, I'm really bad. I got eight chihuahuas waiting at home to attack me when I get home. So uh, more than a dozen rabbis from the city of Elad near Tel Aviv issued an edict declaring all dogs bad and warning residents that keeping them will make them accursed. The edict contains the signatures of all the Sephardic rabbis in Elad a city of about 46,000 residents, where most of the population is Haredi Orthodox. The city's chief rabbi also signed the edict, we have heard and have seen 
that lately a serious phenomena has spread in our city a lot in which young boys and children walk around publicly with dogs. Oh no, this is strictly forbidden. As explained in the Talmud and by the Rambam, anyone raising a dog is accursed and especially in our city where many women and children are afraid of dogs. The anti-canine edict states, the rabbi of neighboring Holon, Avraham Yosef, is quoted as writing, I do not find any grounds for permitting any dog whatsoever in any manner. The term bad dog means any dog, for it barks on whomever it does not know, and because of its bark, it is a bad dog even if it does not bite. I think when it barks at somebody it doesn't know, it's protecting the people that it does know. I don't think they've thought that one through very clearly, but... I will say that unlike the general populace of Israel that is producing things and doing interesting stuff with, you know, the life they live, the rabbis are doing exactly the opposite. They're putting a little shell around themselves and they're acting like, well, exactly the way the New Testament would describe them. Uh, people who keep dogs for medical needs should appear before the local rabbinical court so that it may rule on their matter, the edict says. The Talmud and the 12th century sage Maimonides, or the Rambam, frequently regard dogs as dangerous and unclean. The edict's interpretation is strict, however, compared to readings by other Israeli Orthodox authorities. Well, you know, even in the Israeli army, they've got dogs that sniff out bombs and etc. So uh, it's not very consistent over there. But uh, anybody that does not like dogs, and I'm talking in general, I'm not talking about specifically, but if you don't like dogs, you've got a serious problem. They are, in my opinion, they are the animal that is closest to uh, showing the true love of God. And I mean that absolutely. They are unconditionally loving of the ones that they are in love with. And they are wonderful, wonderful animals. You know, as far as cats, I'm not a big fan of cats. You know that. But when it comes to dogs, they really are something special. Uh, uh, I don't know. What's the matter with them? you got to wonder. Anyway, from uh, Fox... House overwhelmingly okays resolution opposing Israel boycott in rare bipartisan vote. That nasty group up there decided they wanted to have a BDS, uh, you know, boycott, divest, and sanctions motion put forward, and they were they weren't just beaten; they were beaten handsomely. I mean, I think it was seventeen voted with them total, seventeen votes, and sixteen were Democrats, and one was a Republican. As I said a couple weeks ago when Trump was slamming the uh, Democrats and saying they're all a bunch of uh, anti-Semites, he was doing that with rhetoric. He did not mean that. The U.S. House generally supports, and the Senate, 100% Israel. Okay, We've got some infection in there now, which is starting to pull people away from that, kind of like uh, England's Labor Party. But overwhelmingly, the United States House and the Senate, regardless of what side of the aisle they are on, supports Israel. It's the one redeeming thing that you will find on the left in this nation. And I'm not talking about the left in general. I'm talking about the left that is elected to Congress, is that they do support Israel. It is changing, but at this point, it is still on the positive side of that issue. From Christian News Today, CBN says, while Iran, U.S. go head-to-head, Iranians are turning their hearts to Jesus. It may surprise you that the fastest-growing church in the entire world is in Iran. 
Yes, that's the assessment of those who have seen and heard the remarkable story of millions turning away from Shiite Islam and turning toward Jesus Christ. The image Iran presents to the world is large demonstrations with shouts of death to America and death to Israel. Those who have seen Iran from the inside, however, paint a different picture. Iran's intel minister admits Christianity is spreading in parts, he says, little parts of his country. You can't believe the images on TV because, for example, all the protests you see on the streets, those are mostly contrived. There are young people on the streets, and they've told us that if we don't go to the streets, we won't get our grades, so we're forced to go and protest. He says there are two Irans, the one you see on the news and the other hidden from the world. I would say there's 10% Iran and a 90% Iran. 10% control the country in a more oppressive manner, hardline, religious manner, and the majority of the people, 90% of the people love America. They tell us all the time, we don't hate Americans, we love America. He wants Americans to know that 40 years after Iran's Islamic revolution, there's another spiritual revolution underway. Awaken to the truth that we live in a time that's very special. More people have come to faith in Iran in the 40 years since that revolution than in the past 1,400 years. So there's a once, not only in a lifetime, but in history, where we have a moment where Iranians are coming to faith at such a rapid rate. It's the fastest growing church in the world that owns no buildings. It has no 501c3s, that owns no property, that has no bank accounts, and has no centralized leadership, that has no denominational leaning, and yet it's multiplying like crazy. What the Lord is doing there is staggering. The evangelism results in intense persecution that Thomas says leads Iranian believers to seek prayer, but not in the way you may think. I've heard this many times from oppressed nations. Typically, the way we pray is we expect that they want us to pray for the persecution to end. And they say, no, 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 don't do that. Persecution is growing the church. When the persecution stops, the growth stops. We want the gospel to spread far and wide and deep in Iran. And I've heard this with other nations where people are persecuted and they say, how difficult it must be on you here. You have to go through all of the trials. And they say, no, how difficult it must be on you in America when you've got everything you need and you no longer need God. And that's exactly the way it is. So uh, it's... What's that? They do have a leader. That's right. They have one leader, and he's Christ. And he is uh, the title of this particular prophecy update is Iran to Jesus. Anyway, from uh, the Christian News, Christians being prosecuted in Iran on charges of propaganda against the regime. Pressures building in Iran as yet another group of believers pay for claiming the name of Christ. And they would say, don't pray for us to stop. Pray that we would be martyrs or pray that we would be a positive example for Christ. According to uh, Miles Windsor of Middle East Concerns, seven believers are in solitary confinement with no access to lawyers. In a separate incident, five men accused of propaganda against the regime began serving prison sentences on July 6th. Their sentences range from four to 14 months. They've done nothing to undermine the state or spread propaganda against the state at all. Windsor emphasizes they're being imprisoned because of their faith in the Lord Jesus. That's true of the many Christians who face these kinds of charges. It's really important to be praying for our brothers and sisters in Iran to be strong in what is a very, very difficult context. Pray for them to be strong. Pray for them to be uh, content in their state. But 
they don't want us to pray for their persecution to stop. And that's an amazing thing for people to say. Town Hall, House Chaplain casts out demons. Out you go during the morning prayer in the Capitol building. Yes, this is the Capitol Chaplain. And he's casting out demons in the House chambers. Reverend Patrick Conroy serves as the House of Representatives Chaplain in Washington, D.C., and regularly starts the day off for lawmakers with prayer. Thursday's invocation was a little more serious than most days for Reverend Conroy. This was a week and a half ago, so um, I'll give you my comments in a second. Thursday's invocation was a little more serious. The RCC priest prayed specifically to cast out the demons inside Capitol Hill. Reverend Conroy said, This has been a difficult and contentious week in which darker spirits seem to have been at play in the people's house. Then, in a dramatic moment, Conroy raised both hands and said, In your most holy name, I cast out all spirits of darkness from this chamber, spirits not from you. I cast out the spirit of discouragement, which deadens the hope of those who are of goodwill. And I can tell you, so far, it hasn't worked. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, if somebody's filled with a demon, they are of the devil. A person that is in Christ cannot be filled with a demon. They can be afflicted by demons, but you can't cast out something from somebody that doesn't want to cast out. And the people in the house chambers, a lot of them on the left, don't want to cast out. They want these things to continue, and they're filled with the devil and the demons. So it's just a pointless gesture on his part, trying to claim something he has no right to claim. Anyway, from Islam today, zero hedge. Uh, and the reason why I say that, because somebody's inevitably going to send me an email, and I'll just clear it up right now, is that there is nothing in the New Testament outside of the Gospels that prescribes for Christians on how to exercise demons. And if it is something that we should be doing, then we would have instructions on how and when and where to do it. There is nothing given in the epistles which are our doctrine for the church age, and therefore it's not something we need to worry about. If somebody wants to come to Christ, that demon will be exercised by Christ, okay? And that's the way it works. If you are in Christ, you cannot be filled with a demon. The two are incompatible. You can be afflicted by demons all day long and twice on Saturday, but you cannot be filled with a demon if you're a Christian. So that's my statement on it. Don't send me an email arguing it because that is the way it is, okay? From Islam, Zero Hedge. England, knife crime hits new record high. Doesn't that surprise you? They've gotten rid of everything that possible. You can't carry a gun over there. And well, of course, they still have lots of gun crime. And then you aren't allowed to buy knives almost anywhere anymore, and yet it's getting out of control. Knife crime has hit a new record high in England and Wales, rising 8% on the previous year, new figures show. The figures for police recorded crime. Now, what that means is the crimes that the police have recorded. Well, they don't record all crimes over there. We did that in a prophecy update a week or two, or a year or two ago, okay? They only record the crimes that they know can be validated and that won't look bad against Islam. Okay, I don't even remember that yeah. talk that we had, but that is the way it is. So this isn't even a accurate recording of what's actually going on over there. But here we go. The figures for police recorded crime revealed there were 43,516 police recorded offensive involving a knife or sharp instrument. The highest since comparable records began in 2011. The causes of this epidemic are easily identifiable. The scaling back of stop and search because it's 
racist. The ongoing emasculation of UK police forces who are being trained that mean words and hate crime is more important than people dying and fatherless black homes and UK street gangs becoming more violent to compete with immigrants from countries like the Congo and Somalia and the ongoing mass importation of people from violent countries in general. We all know what that's talking about, but they won't say it even in this article. Drill rap music that encourages young people to commit murder. Political leaders like Sadiq Khan refusing to even admit there's a problem to protect their own pathetic legacies. But instead of addressing any of these issues, the political establishment meekly argues that the lack of youth clubs for young people and racist police officers are the source of the problem. Remember Midnight Basketball? Same idea going on over there. It's, it's all our fault that these things are happening. Okay, now, I said that there were 43,516 police recorded offenses involving knife or sharp instrument. I went online, Market Watch, October toward the end of 2018. Okay, Market Watch, October 2018. 47,220 gun crimes in the United States. So we only have a few more gun crimes than they have of stabbing crimes, and we've got a billion more people than they do, right? And we don't have that many knife crimes, so it's showing you how bad things are in England right now, and it's because of the issues that he identified by, I will say it specifically, Islam, okay? All of the other issues combined with it, but Islam. Zero Hedge, circumventing the Straits of Hormuz. Time to dust off the Trans-Arabia Canal. This is a commentary. I thought I'd read it because it will be something that they're going to continue looking at. Okay, far from a perfect solution. In the event of a shooting war, one sunk tanker would be enough to stop traffic for a considerable period of time. You sink a tanker in the Strait of Hormuz and you can't get anything through it. And they know that. And that's why they're trying to do these things over there. But, and that's a big but, Anything short of that level of bellicosity, such as current Iranian piracy, would make having an alternative to the Straits of Hormuz a strategic and tactical asset. Saudi Arabia is planning to build a canal that will connect the Persian Gulf with the Arabian Sea by bypassing the Strait of Hormuz, controlled by the Iranians. Since the canal would pass the Shia territories in Yemen, Riyadh needs to take the country under full military control. Now you know one of the reasons why Yemen and Saudi Arabia have been having a war for so long. Okay, According to the project by the Riyadh-based Arab Century Center for Studies, the canal will be 630 kilometers in Saudi Arabia and 320 kilometers in Yemen and will reduce by half the distance ships are currently taking by passing through the Strait of Hormuz. It will be 150 meter wide and 25 meters deep. Project Saad bin Omar, the head of the center, said the canal will have a main course across Saudi Arabia and Yemen. However, we have thought of Oman as an alternative for Yemen if the country suffers political instability. Additionally, as part of their spat with the LNG producing brothers, the Saudis are threatening, and I talked about this in a previous update, to build the Salwa Canal across the base of the Qatar Peninsula and turn Qatar into an island. In other words, Qatar is up at the end of that little point on Saudi Arabia, and they, because they're being belligerent against Saudi Arabia, the Saudis are saying, we're going to dig a giant canal around you and just cut you off completely. Hey, these are good projects, and I'll tell you, the one country that has the money to do it is Saudi Arabia, and the one country that has the technical expertise to do it for them 
is their partner, the United States of America. So these things are not out of the uh, consideration at all. They're actively being considered. From Mongolia News Today, Xinhua, Mongolian music database is built in China. Anybody want to know about Mongolian music? You can now access that. After 10 years of collecting, sorting, and digitalization work, the database has collected music pieces from China, Mongolia, Russia's Republic of Tuva, Kalmykia, Buratia, and the Altai region, as well as musical works of 5,600 musicians in China, Mongolia, and Russia. Statistics show that there are over 100,000 Mongolian music pieces in China, Mongolia and Russia in total with 40,000 in China, 30,000 in Mongolia, and 35,000 in Russia. So far, we have collected over 50,000 music pieces and completed the digitalization work of more than 30,000 pieces, he said. The database building project is one of the region's efforts to protect the inherent original Mongolian music and is important for protecting the copyright of Mongolian music pieces. So there you go. Interesting thing going on over there. Saving music one digital operation at a time. Yeah, that's right. From Daniel 12 Technology Today from DZine. Elon Musk's Neuralink implant will merge humans with AI. This made most of the news services, so you may have heard of it, but if not, it's still pretty cool. The approaching technology would see groups of minuscule, flexible electrode threads implanted into the human brain by a neurosurgical robot. These threads detect and record the electrical signals in the brain and transmit this information outside the body. This has the potential to create a scalable, high-bandwidth brain-machine interface system, meaning that it connects the brain to an external device to form a brain-machine interface. The goal is to use the Neuralink to understand and treat different forms of brain or spinal-related disorders. Now, that's great. If you can do that, you've really done something good and you've helped people. It's going to go way beyond that. But that's the beginning and that's always the shoe and let's do something good for humanity and then technology gets taken to another place after that. But paralyzed humans could use the device to control phones or computers. Good job. However, Musk also envisions the implant as a means of enhancing your own brain, something I desperately need, giving humans the option to achieve a symbiosis with AI. I don't think I want that. I, I could use a brain enhancement, but not that. Uh, this could lead to a future of superhuman intelligence. Woohoo! According to Musk. As Musk explained at the Neuralink launch event, the idea is to create a well-aligned future that mitigates the supposed existential threat of artificial intelligence. He and his team hope to test the system on a human patient before the end of next year, 2020. So we'll see if it works. Mail online. End of elbow wars. Anybody ever had an elbow war? I guarantee you most of you have. New airplane seat design that gives passengers in the middle seat more room and their own arm rest is cleared for takeoff. So get that pun, cleared for takeoff there. Okay. Um, the staggered arrangement of the seats, what they do is high, low, high. And so now you've got more room. 
Okay, the staggered arrangement of the seats coupled with an increased width for the middle seat could finally end the plague of elbow wars. <laughs> Passengers have suffered. Okay, the S1 seat by Malone Labe seating is slightly lower to the ground, includes three extra inches of space, and allows the person sitting in it to use the armrests. A row of S1 seats costs around, guess what, $6,000, which is the industry standard. So you're paying no more and you're getting a lot more. Good stuff. And I wouldn't mind sitting in the middle seat after. If I get three inches more, I'd take it. I think I was in the middle seat on the way to Israel. Anyway, was I? I had a aisle and aisle and I, well, yeah, when I was on the big one going across the ocean, it's all middle. I mean, it's just one of these big things. You got like two sides and then 15 in the middle and I was one of the cows in the middle so anyway um, revelation plagues today CBS local police people overdosing on synthetic meth made from anybody you go to your public shopping store and you buy this and you snort on it anybody wasp spray yes state police told WRGB that wasp spray is being used as an alternative to methamphetamine in Boone County Officials believe the spray played a role in three overdoses last week. And officials say the physical impacts of the spray are erratic behavior and extreme swelling and redness of the hands and feet. Stores in Boone County on Friday sold nearly 30 cans of the wasp spray. So it's getting out. People know we can get high off of wasp spray. However, from what we're being told, if you use it, you know, you might use it once or twice and be fine. But the third time, when your body hits that allergic reaction, it can kill you. Not smart stuff here, folks. From NBC, pot during pregnancy. A growing number of expecting mothers are using cannabis. The findings are based on reports from 276,991 women living in California before recreational marijuana was legalized in the state. The women were asked about their cannabis use at their first prenatal visit. The data showed that the prevalence of women who reported using marijuana during the year before pregnancy grew from 6.8% in 2009 to 12.5% in 2017. Oh, it seems to be that it's not exactly the way they said things would be with these legalization issues. The number of women who said they used marijuana while pregnant was much smaller. However, net prevalence also increased from 1.9% in 2009 to 3.4% in 2017. But there's no evidence that cannabis is safe for pregnant women. No amount of cannabis use has been shown to be safe during pregnancy, they say. But it doesn't matter anymore. Human life is being cheapened all the way across the board in this world today. From the Washington Examiner, drug overdose deaths see the first decline in decades after targeted effort by Trump. Finally, some good news on this front. Drug overdose deaths declined in 2018 after years of increases, according to preliminary government data released Wednesday. The latest provisional data on overdose deaths show that Americans' united efforts to curb opioid use disorder and addiction are working, HHSS Secretary Alex Azar said in a statement. Lives are being saved, and we're beginning to win the fight against this crisis. The CDC concluded, based on the provisional data, that overdose deaths declined by 5.1% between 2017 and 2018, the first drop since 1990. 
the sta- I was back in Malaysia. I was a kid back then, and this is the first time since then that this has gone down. And he will get zero credit for this, oh, zero by anybody in the media. The steepest declines occurred primarily in areas that have been hit hardest by the opioid crisis, such as Ohio, Kentucky, South Dakota, and Alaska. Though overdoses on prescription painkillers had been the primary cause of drug-related deaths since 1990, heroin, followed by fentanyl, overcame them in 2015. Meanwhile, cocaine and methamphetamine overdoses are on the rise. So now they need to focus on that. People are getting off of the bad stuff and they're getting onto something else, but they still need to get onto it. So morality. From LifeSite, National Conference teaches librarians how to sneak drag queens past parents. Now imagine this. This is the National Conference of Librarians is trying to subvert our society. They're trying to tear it apart. And this has been going on for a while, and it's only getting worse. American Library Association's recent national conference provided librarians from across the country with strategies for advancing gender identity ideology in schools and finding ways to bring drag queen story times into public libraries despite the objections of local communities. Held in Washington, D.C., the week-long ALA conference brought well over 21,000 attendees to the nation's capital and featured workshops with titles such as Queerness in Comics, A Child's Room to Choose, Encouraging Gender Identity and Expression in School and Public Libraries, and etc. It went on and on and on. Instead of saying we need to do Shakespeare and we need to teach them this or that, this is what they're trying to push on us. This entire organization should be shut down in its entirety, done. But it's going on right right under our noses. In one breakout session about LGBT-themed children's literature, librarians took time to brainstorm suggestions for non-traditional families, books that they could promote. This included titles such as My Brother's Husband, Lumberjanes, and Pregnant Butch. This is what they're pushing in the library system of the United States of America. And they're allowing this from the Daily Wire. Woman forced to close business, this made all the news too, but I feel so bad for her, I'm going to read it anyway. Woman forced to close business after refusing to wax male parts of transgender person. A Brazilian immigrant, somebody that came to Canada and wants to start a life and do something good, starts a business, was forced to close up her small business after refusing to wax the, of a transgender LGBT activist, Jessica Yaniv. All right, formerly known as Jonathan Yaniv, citing discrimination based on gender identity. Yaniv filed a complaint with the British Columbia Human Rights Tribunal seeking financial restitution. The activist has filed complaints against 15 other, I can't pronounce that word, people that make you look better, aestheticians or something, with the tribunal, claiming gender identity discrimination as well. Marcia da Silva claims that she refused to service the complainant due to safety concerns raised by her husband and alleged harassment on Yaniv's part and not because of the claimant's identity. During tribunal proceedings, da Silva said the complaint from Yaniv forced her to close shop. So we're taking the very worst of society, the mental minuscules, and we are giving them all of the highest benefits that we can, and we're taking people that are willing to work and to produce and to do what is right, and we're just saying you're not worth our time. Absolutely insane. From uh, our other category, Zero Hedge, 
White House backs rule change that will end food stamps for three million Americans. Good job. And another example of the Trump admin using the bureaucracy to circumvent intransient House Democrats, the Department of Agriculture is taking steps to cut food stamp benefits for three million Americans by limiting a state's ability to automatically enroll residents and also receive welfare benefits. What this means is that the states get money for how many people are on the rolls. And so they automatically enroll people and they keep doing this kind of thing because they get their cuts out of this as well. And Trump says, this isn't right, we need to handle this. The House Democrats are gonna do diddly and so he's taking action. We're changing the rules, preventing abuse of a critical safety net system so that those who need food assistance the most are the only ones who receive it. The new rule would limit states' ability to enroll benefit recipients earning more than 130% of the federal poverty line. It would also introduce new means testing. In most cases, this means a family of four would need to be earning less than $32,640 to qualify. 40 states and Washington, D.C. currently use alternative criteria allowing participants and other government programs to be automatically enrolled in their food stamps program, so long as their incomes are less than double the poverty level. Federal officials contend that in some cases, individuals are enrolled in food stamp programs despite receiving only federal benefits of minimal value, like brochures. The new regulations would require that recipients receive benefits worth at least $50 a month on an ongoing basis for at least six months to qualify for automatic enrollment in food stamps. All makes sense to me. Other than cash, the only other benefits that would qualify are subsidized employment, subsidized transportation to work, and childcare. The new restrictions would save the federal government $2.5 billion a year and would eliminate coverage for 3 million people though enrollment has declined as the economy has improved. Well, we're just gonna cut out a bunch more people that should not be receiving these things. They're just living off of the government, they're sucking away, and it's, good job, President Trump, that's all I can say. From the New York Post, Oregon, I know it's gun, not gone. So, Oregon approves mental health days for students. Now, this sounds like a great idea. It's a liberal idea, and it is just another way of tearing apart the system. All right, the bill would allow excused school absences for mental or behavioral health, and it's a victory for youth activists who also unsuccessfully fought for gun control and lowering the voting age. The students behind the measure say it's meant to change the stigma around mental health in a state that has some of the United States' highest suicide rates. Well, why do you think that is? It's because they're run by lefties. It has nothing to do with the people being inherently crazy in Oregon. It's because of the government in Oregon. All right, mental health experts say it is one of the first state laws to explicitly instruct schools to treat mental health and physical health equally. And it comes at a time educators are increasingly considering the emotional health of students. And what this means is that anybody guaranteed can call up and say, I'm feeling suicidal today, I'm not coming to school, and they get their free days off. It doesn't matter if it's true, it doesn't matter if they ask for any counseling or anything else. It's just another government boondoggle. From Mail Online, this sounds normal to me. This sounds like something we all ought to promote. Nurse is denied French citizenship because she works too hard. What? Yep, woman was denied French citizenship by prefecture for working too much. The nurse clocked up to a total of 59 hours per week, oh, above the maximum of 48. 
The Val de Marne prefecture said she was failing to comply with the law. She's working hard. She's making a paycheck. And they say, we're not going to give you citizenship. But bring in every loser that doesn't want to work at all. And we'll just put you on the dole. Unbelievable. Zero hedge. Most Mexicans say illegals from Central America should be. What? This can't be. Most Mexicans say illegals from Central America should be deported. They must be racist. A poll conducted by the Washington Post. This is a left-leaning magazine, and they did the poll. They found the clear, the clear majority of Mexicans think migrants should be deported back to their home countries. The survey, which was conducted in partnership with Mexico's Reforma newspaper, so they, they got Mexican newspaper and the liberal Washington Post, and they come together with this, found that Mexicans are deeply frustrated with immigrants traveling through their country from Central America. Six in 10 Mexicans say migrants are a burden on their country, taking jobs that should belong to citizens. 55% of Mexicans also support deporting migrants who go through Mexico to the United States, compared to just 7% who want to give them residency in Mexico. The results of the poll completely contradict the narrative that wanting proper border controls and de-incentivizing mass immigration is a view only shared by racist Trump supporters. Mexican citizens are more in line with Trump's view on immigration than virtually every Democrat presidential candidate running. Imagine that. They're supporting this. They're not even going out and checking with the people that they should be checking with, the people that would know the most right there. Weasel Zippers says, Democrat Representative Tlaib, you know, the Fakistanian that's in Congress, Here's what she said. We're going to take money from the rich and give it back to those people who earned it. I don't think she understands capitalism at all. I don't think she understands anything. She's what we would call a blithering idiot. Anybody know what blithering is? That's her. Okay, I got a lesser cure for you this week from, uh, let's see here. Um, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't have a less Rick here. I think Les has a less Rick here. Les, come on up here. Bring your wife with you. Good, good to see everybody. This is my wife, Kathy. She she writes a lot of the Ricks, and and for you know when we write them together, we call them Kath Ricks. I'm sorry, yeah, or a conglomerics, but. Um, <laughs> But this is this week. Uh, uh, see if you can guess which story this is about. <laughs> Rabbis think Israel's gone to the dogs, much like demons that frequent the frogs. They are thought to be terse and their actions adverse in their mind, much like biblical frogs. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. All right, thank you guys. And speak, I'll tell you what, speaking of dogs, I, I did not plan it this way, okay? But speaking of dogs, our irony of the week is called In the Doghouse. So here we go. From Mail Online, first, uh, and we've seen this type of thing before, but every time it happens, you got to let people know that it's still going to happen. Florida man impersonating a police officer is arrested after pulling over a real cop and warning him to slow down. So there you go. He is now in the doghouse. And then from Mail Online, escape plan goes horribly wrong for inmates who spent two days tunneling their way out only to come up in the prison's guard dog kennels. 
in the doghouse. Yes, such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida, Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is The Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.